Well, good morning, everybody. Um, it is a real joy to be with you this morning. Um, and I, I want to express, again, my gratitude to everybody taking part this morning. Thank you to Dan and, and Sarah uh, for leading us in, in song so beautifully. Um, thank you to Lawrence for his really thoughtful prayer. Um, and thank you to Susan and Chris for uh, sharing those stories with us, which uh, were just really inspiring. And we're, we're going to be trying each week over the next number of Sundays we're going to drop in uh, a little uh, testimony like that. Uh, we're going to call them Changed Lives. Uh, we've, we've had those in the past here in MCF, but just people telling stories about times in their life when God has spoken to them, when God has been real. And so we're going to drop in different people every week uh, sharing those. Um, so thank you to everybody taking part this morning. Thank you to you for joining us. Um, we are continuing this morning um, or really getting into the, uh, I guess, uh, the start of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we're thinking about the way of Jesus. We're coming together, I guess, to, to sit at the feet of Jesus and to say the way we've been living has not been working. And we've heard that the way of Jesus is hard. Uh, we've got to take up our cross. We've got to take a yoke. But we've also heard that his way uh, will bring rest for our souls. Um, and so we're coming to listen to him and to, to say to him, teach us how to live, teach us how to live well. Uh, we want to be his apprentices. Um, and I did want to say I've been really encouraged this week uh, by lots of you getting in touch just to say you're really looking forward to this series and kind of saying to me you're really up, up for this, you're up for being challenged and for saying to each other, let's get real about our discipleship and our following of Jesus. Let's not just be fans, let's, let's be followers um, and so I'm encouraged by just seeing everybody kind of leaning in uh, to get ready for this series. So um, let's jump into it together. Um, I want to start here before we read uh, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, what, one of the most popular hashtags on social media is the hashtag, hashtag blessed. Um, and if you go and have a little look, you can look at this later if you want, you'll find that that hashtag gets attached to a bewildering array of things. So people will use this hashtag with a photo of a new baby, with uh, announcing a new job that they've started, with a picture of a new puppy, um, maybe just for a quiet moment of simple joy, a cup of coffee on a, a sunny winter morning, hashtag blessed. Um, people will also use it for uh, showing us a picture of a brand new sports car they've bought or a, a beach holiday. Um, or a per perfect picture of their perfect family and their perfect home, hashtag blessed. Um, it's also used a lot by certain celebrities like Kanye West and Justin Bieber and Lewis Hamilton when he wins a Formula One race. Um, that, I, I wonder how you feel about all that. Um, it can be a little bit bewildering. Um, it's good to express gratitude for good things in our lives. Maybe people sometimes wonder if using that on, on social media can sometimes be a kind of humble brag where we're showing off the things we have, but adding the word blessed to make it sound kind of humble. Uh, maybe sometimes it has a whiff or more than a whiff of a kind of prosperity gospel. Maybe it makes us a little bit queasy. Um, I wonder how you feel about that. However you feel about the way the word is used in our culture, in today's passage, Jesus uses the word very differently. 
Um, this is our introduction to life in his upside-down kingdom. And this is how he begins. Uh, so let's read together from Matthew chapter 5. And it says this. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Maybe immediately, um, maybe immediately we can say um, in the words uh, of a character in a famous movie, um, you keep on using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. Um, it seems like Jesus uses this word very differently. Um, blessed, maybe unfortunately, blessed is one of those words that's kind of become very spiritual and religious and holy. Um, we even sometimes, for reasons that I'm not quite sure of, say it as blessed, like Brian blessed. Um, I'm not entirely sure why. Um, we, we sometimes pronounce it differently. Um, the Greek word for blessed, like I read of Brian blessed, um, the Greek word is makarios, which actually is not, not a particularly religious word at all. It simply means fortunate or happy. Um, it's a wonderfully joyful word. Maybe I should have left Brian Blessed up there because he, he looks tremendously happy. Um, it goes with the words in our final verse that we read saying rejoice and be glad. It's a very happy word. Um, maybe worth saying, People often refer to these sayings of Jesus as the Beatitudes. Uh, the word Beatitudes is kind of an old-fashioned word, but it simply means the condition of being blessed. It's the, the state or condition of being blessed is Beatitude. Um, but nine times, you heard the repetition, nine times Jesus speaks the word blessed, blessed, blessed. Um, I like to kind of imagine the effect of the repetition on that hillside as he was beginning his teaching and everybody was wondering what he was going to say. And this word rings out on the hillside. Um, but then we find the people he describes are not the people we expect. They're not the shiny, happy people on our social media feed. They're a very unexpected bunch. Now, before we get into them, I need to say one little thing, which is um, one a uh, popular way to read the Beatitudes, um, sees the Beatitudes as virtues to be cultivated. In other words, 
this is kind of a list of eight, eight qualities or characteristics that every Christian should aim for and desire and pursue. We should cultivate these things in our lives. Um, as one writer said, we should try our best to be meeker and poorer and mournier. I'm not sure that's a word. Um, and blessing will follow. If we can cultivate these things, then blessing will follow. Um, and I wanted to say right at the start, um, there are lots of people I admire and respect who read the Beatitudes in that way. Um, and I also want to say, you can read them that way and get lots of good from them. But I'm not convinced that's the best way to read them. And I want to present to you uh, maybe a different way of coming out the Beatitudes that I think is closer to the heart of maybe what Jesus meant. Um, in order to kind of come at them, let's think a little bit about the context. Um, and you can go back yourself uh, later on and read a little bit in chapter 4 to read the kind of run-up to the, the Sermon on the Mount. Um, but Jesus is in the backwaters of Galilee. I think that's really important. He's among the ordinary people. He's not in the big city. He's not in Jerusalem. He's not with the rich and the influential and the educated. He's with ordinary fishermen and farmers and carpenters and all the rest. Um, and not only is he among the ordinary people of the backwaters, but he particularly attracted to himself the desperate, the hurting, and the broken. You can read in chapter 4, verse 24, it says, it talks about the crowds coming to Jesus, and it says, all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed. Those were the kind of people who were crowding around Jesus. And of course, you see that pattern repeated in all the Gospels. It's the lepers and the blind and the, the outcasts who come to Jesus, those who are desperate. Um, reminds me a little bit of in the story of David in the Old Testament. Uh, there's a bit in the story when David's an outlaw on the run from Saul, and he gathers around him a kind of unlikely band of outlaws. And it says in 1 Samuel 22, all those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around David. Um, and I think that's one of those moments where David kind of prefigures Jesus himself. Everyone who's in trouble, everyone who's desperate, everyone who's in a bad way gathers around Jesus. And what did Jesus do uh, for the crowd? He did two things. He proclaimed the good news of the kingdom, saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Um, worth a little footnote uh, this moment just to say in Matthew's gospel, uh, Matthew uses the term kingdom of heaven where the other gospel writers use kingdom of God, but it's very clear that it means the same thing. It means the reign and rule of God. So Jesus announced to the, the crowd the present availability of the kingdom to those who repent and believe. It is at hand, it is near, it is available. And along with that proclamation, Jesus demonstrated the presence of the kingdom by touching people and bringing healing and health, and sanity, and wholeness, by driving away sickness, and madness, and demons. That's pretty familiar, right? But that's, that's what was going on, that crowd of the desperate crowding around Jesus, Jesus proclaiming the good news that the kingdom is available, and demonstrating the kingdom 
in his actions. And now, as we come to the Sermon on the Mount, it seems to me the same crowd gathers around Jesus and he sits down to teach them. Uh, That was the usual posture for a Jewish rabbi, not standing as we tend to do, but sitting. Um, And it says in in chapter 5, verse 1, Jesus spoke to the disciples, but the crowd are also there. The crowd are listening in. And if you go to the end of the Sermon on the Mount at the end of chapter 7, it says the crowd was amazed by his teaching. So Jesus is teaching his disciples, but he's also teaching the crowd. And when I was looking for pictures uh, of the scene, uh, one of them uh, that I found uh, made this really clear by having the 12 uh, apostles kind of sitting around Jesus' feet and then the crowd a little bit further back. I I don't imagine it was that neat. Um, And they've also got Jesus standing rather than than sitting. Uh, So I prefer this one where uh, the disciples are there around Jesus, but the crowd is also there. And maybe that's a little bit like us as we begin this series, as we together are sitting at the feet of Jesus. Um, Maybe we're going to be talking about what it means to be a disciple, an apprentice of Jesus. But if you are currently um, curious uh, about Jesus or a bit puzzled by Jesus or have questions about Jesus or are skeptical about Jesus and you've heard other people talking about him and you maybe want to know more but you're not sure what you think of him, you're really welcome to be here with us. This is for disciples and it's also for the wider crowd as we listen to Jesus together. Um, One writer has said, if you want to imagine the scene, maybe you've got to imagine in our town, maybe in Coleraine, uh, that all the hospitals have been emptied and all the psychiatric units have been emptied and all the homeless shelters and all the women's refuges and all the addiction clinics and all the most lonely and desperate and hurting and hopeless people in our town are gathered in one place to listen to Jesus. That's the kind of scene that we're talking about. And I think that helps us understand what's going on as we come to the Beatitudes and we read, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I think the first Beatitude is the key to all the rest. Um, I should say, um, I'm going to be using some uh, uh, beautiful paintings by an artist called Hyatt Murr. And I'll put his name down below the video, uh, just so you can go and look at his, uh, the rest of his work, uh, beautiful stuff that he's done. But when Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, I don't think he's presenting a virtue to be cultivated and pursued. He's speaking to the condition of many in the crowd. They are spiritually destitute and bankrupt. Their spiritual pockets are empty. They are looking at their lives and saying, I've got nothing. I've got nothing going for me. I've got nothing to offer. I am spiritually running on empty. Um, Dallas Willard says, kind of paraphrases it like this, blessed are the spiritual zeros, the spiritually bankrupt, deprived and deficient, the spiritual beggars. Um, I actually think Simon and Garfunkel got it right maybe more than uh, some theologians. They said, blessed are the sat upon, spat upon, ratted on. Right? You get it? Um, Jesus is announcing that the blessings of God's kingdom are available to the people who least expect it. 
the people the world either ignores or despises. Um, the key to the Beatitudes is Jesus himself. The, the kingdom is present because the king is present. And he brings these blessings into our lives as a gift of grace, unearned and undeserved and unexpected. He's not saying, if you can climb this ladder and cultivate these eight virtues, then you will be blessed. He is arriving where we least expect it and least deserve it and announcing the gift of grace. Um, We're going to come, as we get into the Sermon on the Mount, to lots of really challenging commands. And we're, we're going to try not to shy away from those. But the Beatitudes are not commands. They are pure gospel. They are an announcement of glad tidings of great joy for all people, and especially those who are most broken and desperate. Let's see maybe how the rest of the Beatitudes follow from that beginning. So if the poor in spirit are the spiritually bankrupt and destitute, Then Jesus speaks to those who mourn. And I don't think we need to spiritualize this into mourning for our sin. It doesn't say that. Um, Jesus speaks to the heartbroken, to those whose hearts have been shattered, those who have lost someone they love, those who are grieving other deep losses in their lives, those who are sorrowful, those who are weeping, those who are grieving. And he says, you are blessed for you will be comforted. And then Jesus speaks to the meek. I think here Jesus speaks to what we might call the little ones, the ones who are easily forgotten and overlooked, the ones who don't stand out in a crowd, who blend into the wallpaper, um, those who wouldn't say boo to a goose, as we sometimes say. Um, And Jesus looks at them and sees them and says, you are blessed, for you will inherit the earth. Everything the Father has, he's going to share with you. It's an extraordinary promise. Um, And then Jesus speaks to those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. The ones who look at their lives and look at the world and see so much that is wrong. And they can't see goodness anywhere and they can't see righteousness and they can't see justice and they are starving for it. They've got an ache in their belly, longing for it. And Jesus says, you are blessed for that hunger is going to be filled. You're going to see the goodness and the righteousness of God. Um, I want to pause here um, at the halfway point of the Beatitudes. Um, Maybe a good place to pause and say this. Maybe you've already recognized yourself this morning. Um, maybe this morning you're feeling spiritually bankrupt and running on empty. Maybe right now in your life your heart is broken and you're grieving a great loss. Um, maybe you're feeling little and marginal and forgotten and overlooked. Maybe you're aching with hunger to see some goodness in the world. Um, Can I encourage you this morning? Jesus is sitting before you this morning and he sees you and he knows you and he loves you. And he doesn't turn away and he doesn't pass by on the other side. And his hands are lifted 
in blessing. And he speaks blessing over you. And we've always got to remember when Jesus speaks, Jesus' words are powerful. They are performative. They bring about the thing that he says. When Jesus says, be still, the storm is still. When Jesus says, rise up, the the crippled rise up. Whenever Jesus says, come out of the tomb, the dead man comes out of the tomb. When he says, let there be light, there is light. Jesus speaks blessing over you. And he says, the kingdom of heaven belongs to you this morning. And your broken heart can be healed and you can find comfort and you will inherit the earth and your father will share with you everything that belongs to him and the emptiness in you will be filled. And of course, if you're anything like me, you want to know, well, when will that happen? And the answer when we're dealing with God's kingdom is always now and not yet. We, we won't see every tear wiped away and everything broken made new until Jesus appears and brings the kingdom in all its fullness. And yet I also want to say to you this morning, I want to remind you this morning that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is near you this morning because the king is at hand. The king is near to you this morning. And where you are in your house this morning, you can start to realize and experience the reality of his kingdom today. Blessing is available to you because Jesus is here and he speaks these powerful words over you. So I wonder, are you with me so far? Um, I think that's the natural way in context to read those first four Beatitudes. Um, not virtues to be cultivated, but speaking to where we are, especially when we're broken and battered and bruised and bedraggled. Um, now, i got to be honest and say, now it gets a little bit more tricky because um, there's no doubt that the next three Beatitudes appear to be virtues. Uh, we look at these and say, well, surely every Christian is meant to be merciful. Every Christian is meant to be pure in heart. Every Christian is meant to be a peacemaker. Surely these are qualities we need to cultivate and pursue. But maybe here's something important to note. Um, these were often not regarded as virtues in the culture of that time, the day in which Jesus spoke. The Greco-Roman world admired the strength of the warrior, uh, the, the strong man who was strong in battle. Showing mercy was often seen as a weakness. Showing mercy to your enemy, showing weakness to the, the down and out was seen as a bit foolish, maybe as a quality for women, but not for men. Um, those who were merciful were often seen as those who would be taken advantage of by the more worldly. Peacemaking was seen as a weakness. People talked in that day about the Pax Romana, the peace of the Roman Empire, but the Pax Romana was peace that was made at the end of a sword and a spear. Um, and what about the pure in heart? Uh, in the Greco-Roman world, uh, there was wide, it, it was widespread and normal to act in a way that was deeply impure and immoral. Um, a man in that world would often, it was said, would often have a wife for children, a mistress for companionship, and prostitutes for pleasure. Um, gluttony and drunkenness were celebrated. Um, those who kept themselves pure 
in mind and heart and body were often seen as naive and innocent. These were not qualities that were celebrated and encouraged in that world. I wonder what about today? Uh, Maybe the influence of 20 centuries of Christian teaching means these qualities are sometimes admired and praised in our world. Um, But I think even today, not always. Even today, you can be mocked as foolish and naive if you cultivate these things. Even today, you can be taken advantage of by others if you're like this. Um, Dallas Willard gives the example of his own parents in relation to the merciful. Um, His parents ran a clothing business during the years of the Depression in the 1930s. Um, And in that time when everybody was struggling, they kept giving clothes to people who couldn't pay. They kept showing mercy. And they ended up going bankrupt and losing their business. And many in the world might have looked at them and said they were foolish and naive. But Jesus says, you are blessed and you will be shown mercy. If you're a young person today and you choose not to do what all your friends are doing because you want to keep your mind and your heart pure, you may often be laughed at and mocked. But Jesus gives an extraordinary promise. He says, you are blessed for you will see God. If you choose um, in our world, which is so extraordinarily divided and tribal at the minute, if you choose in this world where everyone seems to pick a side and throw mud and throw rocks at the other side, if you choose to reject all labels and treat everyone as made in God's image and listen to those you disagree with and treat them with honor, people on both sides may think you're a fool. Jesus says, blessed, you are blessed and you will be called the children of God because you bear the family likeness because God also came near to his enemies and made peace not with a sword but by the blood of the cross. And the world mocked him and spat at him and called him a fool. He'll be called the children of God. Uh, You can see maybe already how these three belong with the last beatitude. Those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Those who seek to do the right thing and suffer as a result. Jesus expands on the last beatitude and says, You're blessed when people insult you because of me because you belong to Jesus himself, because of your association with him. There's an important bit missing uh, from the words on the painting here. Um, It's not just blessed are the persecuted, but blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Um, That bit's really important. If you find that people are giving you a hard time, it's always worth taking a breath and examining your own heart and asking, have I been arrogant or rude or self-righteous or harsh in some way. Um, Because if if I have been and people give me a hard time, that's not persecution and it brings no glory to Jesus. Uh, Peter writes in 1 Peter, make sure if you suffer, it's for doing good and not for doing wrong. Um, I have found, bizarrely, that my final page of my sermon has disappeared. Um, 
So I'm going to find a place to finish. Um, give me one second just to gather my, gather my, uh, my heart around where I wanted to finish. Um, yes, I remember. Um, it's, people are rushing around the room, but it's okay. I know where I want to finish. Um, maybe whenever we read the Bible, um, sometimes uh, we want every time we read the Bible, um, we want every verse we read to be a, a special verse for me today. And maybe sometimes when you're reading the Beatitudes, you will read a Beatitude and think, that's exactly for me today. Maybe maybe today you're feeling spiritually bankrupt. Maybe today you're feeling heartbroken. Maybe today you're having a hard time because you're trying to do the right thing and people are making your life difficult. But maybe not. Um, sometimes we're given a word of scripture that is for me today. Sometimes we are given a word of scripture that is for our neighbor. Um, sometimes we're given a word uh, that is for someone we know. And if you're reading a beatitude and that's not where you are right now, you can guarantee there's somebody not very far away from you who is in that place. Someone in your family, someone in your street, someone in your workplace who is in that place. Uh, and maybe you can be the one who can carry that beatitude to them and pray it for them and maybe speak it over them and maybe believe it for them if they're in a place where they can't believe it right now and maybe embody that beatitude and that blessing for them. And so I wanted to finish with a really practical challenge for you. You can take this on if you want to this week. Um, maybe every day this week, um, there are eight beatitudes. Um, so every day starting today and you'll finish next Sunday. Take one beatitude each day and begin the day with it. Uh, and speak to God and just ask God, is this for me today? Or is this for me to give away? And would you show me who this is for today? Who I can pray for and bless and encourage and pass it on to in the name of Jesus. Um, so maybe you take on uh, that little challenge this week. I'm glad I remembered how I wanted to finish. Um, let's uh, pray together as we finish and then we're going to sing again. Uh, so let's pray. Father, I want to thank you this morning that wherever we are right now, uh, not just physically where we are in our homes, but where we are in our lives, I want to thank you that Jesus is here, that the kingdom is present with us because the king is present. And I want to thank you that his hands are lifted up to bless us this morning. Father, I want to thank you that you don't ask us to sort ourselves out and clean ourselves up before you'll bless us. You don't ask us to climb a ladder of virtue before you bless us. But you come to us where we are, where we are struggling, where we are hurting, where we are lonely, where we are lost, where we are confused, where we've fallen down and can't get up again. You come to us where we are, and you open for us, undeserved and unearned, the blessings of the kingdom of heaven. 
Father, would you help us this morning to believe this gospel, to believe these glad tidings of great joy that are for all people and even for us. And Father, would you also help us to lift our head and look around this week and ask, who can I carry this good news of the grace of God and the blessing of Jesus? Um, Who can I carry that to and speak that over and pray that for this week? We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.